I see animism as basically the ground of paganism. So that there are there are animist religions where they obviously don't identify as pagan, but I don't see how a person can really identify as pagan without being animist. So uh, animism is like the base level that is almost more essential than gods, for instance. And this is reflected in Irish mythology where uh, humans swear oaths to the gods, but the gods swear oaths to the natural elements. The gods will swear oaths to the sun and the moon and that sort of thing. And to me, that implies that 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 basic animist perception of reality is actually more core to the religion than the gods are. Now, as far as how I first began um, being aware of animism, I, I've identified as a pagan since I was 12. And when I was 12, my family lived in a uh, like a homestead, you know, like we had built a stack wall log cabin in the woods in Maine. And uh, we lived there and we had, uh, what was it? Uh, 16 chickens, six goats, a horse, you know, a uh, hundred rabbits. So we had a little farm and we didn't have any electricity. We didn't have any running water. So it was basically a pre-modern lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a vegetable garden. That's where we got part of our food from. And I uh, was reading a book about, uh, it was either German or Celtic folklore. I can't remember for sure. And it mentioned something about leaving offerings in the fields uh, for the fertility of the crops. And I actually, I went and carved a little wooden idol and brought it to my father and asked him if we could leave it in the garden to make sure we got a good crop. And he looked at me and said, you are one weird kid, but he said it was fine. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I started early. Yeah. I mean, so I can't, I can't exactly tell you where I got it from because it started so early in my life that I barely remember it. Mm-hmm. So in, in terms of my day-to-day experience, it, to me, it's basically that I've always been, I've always seen the world in animistic terms. Okay. Uh, I, now, you know, I think, I think anyone who is an animist would agree with this, but I don't see absolutely everything in the world as having the same level of awakeness. You know, so even if, uh, even if you could say that um, there's a sense in which a stone is alive, it's not as awake as an animal, shall we say. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, but I think that's very normal. I think that's like a standard way to look at it. You know. Yeah, I've always kind of when I kind of became more familiar with animism. Yeah, because you know, people I would explain the idea to people, um, pretty basic uh, explanation, and they're like, "Well, are you saying that like rocks are alive and imbued with spirit? Are you saying this or this?" And I'm like, "Well, obviously." it's not about saying things are not equal i guess but it's more like yeah like you said things are less awake or not as awake or there isn't as much complexity of their awareness of the world um is is more of how i've looked at it or maybe i'm incorrect in looking at it that way but that's how i've framed it yeah well uh another gods and radicals writer cadmus um he made some really fascinating arguments in his book for a materialist conception of animism that does not assume any level of consciousness in a rock, but is still animist. Mm-hmm. And his arguments are honestly, they're, they're too complicated for me to remember them well enough to repeat them. So I'll just let him speak for himself and say, sure. you should read his book. But, um, <laughs> you know, there's different ways to be animist. I don't really identify with a completely materialist way of viewing the world. So I don't view it the way that Cadmus does. But I think the fact that he was able to articulate a materialist conception of animism is fascinating. 
and it shows the range of ideas that are possible in a pagan worldview. Yeah, I think like I think it's uh, I'm gonna try to remember John Halstead, who I've had on the podcast. He's another writer for Gods and Radicals, but I don't think he's very much of a spiritualist in any real sense. I don't know if he he seems to be more of a materialist pagan uh, from my from my understanding. I don't know if that's the right way to describe his beliefs. As far as I know, but I I could be wrong, but as far as I know, he identifies as an atheist pagan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, this, this moves on. I really do want to talk about, because you just had two, two books released through Gods and Radicals. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of them is a collection of poetry. uh, If in ruins, we must live. Um, And the other one is the, you mentioned earlier, the book of Oni. Am I saying that correctly? Onai is how I pronounce Onai? it. Onai, I'm sorry. Book of Onai. Yeah, people can say it any way they want, but I say Book of Onai. Yeah. <laughs> Book of Onai. Okay. Um, and, and this, and I just have to be like, yeah, to be somewhat, just recognize that my, like, the the book was hard for me to understand, and that's because I don't, I don't know how to say this, like, I guess I have to be like, I guess, honest about it. It's like, I, I, I have a hard time sometimes reading fantasy. I have a hard time reading um, things like this, but like the very, the very ideas that you were from reading the kind of synopsis of it, something that you had written and just on the, the uh, book page itself. Um, the book is described as an antinomian dream grimoire. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. 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 Antinomian dream grimoire. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it's a rare work of myth that is simultaneously fantasy and a ritual guide to your own dreaming. And there was, I think there was some other thing I was reading about it as well, which I thought was fascinating is that there's this side of, of mysticism that kind of deals with like nightmares and kind of the side of like kind of the darker side of this thing that people that are involved in this type of work tend to turn away from. Yep. And it seems like that's what you were actually moving headlong into. And I'm just, Absolutely. Yep. and I just want to get a general map of what you were trying to, or what you did accomplish or what tra- I've been trying to accomplish with this kind of work. Cause it, again, it's, it's a little beyond my reach at this time, but I, I just really wanted to just ask some general questions and get a feeling of it from you. Yeah. So you might remember that there's a section of the book that talks about, uh, people being light seers, uh, earth seers or dark seers, right? Mm-hmm. So the what that page in the book is referring to is that most people who are interested in spirituality um, identify very strongly with things that are light, right? Yeah. And uh, that means aesthetically light and also um, having to do with love and, you know, positive emotions and positivity sure. in general. And the book is not for that sort of person. The book is for people who, although they are spiritual, tend to experience pretty horrific things uh, and experience spirituality in a dark way. And for me, for many, many years, I had uh, absolutely horrific nightmares on a really frequent basis, sometimes more than one a night. Mm -hmm. And because these nightmares wouldn't stop. I mean, they were constant for many years. I eventually started to teach myself how to do things with the nightmares rather than just suffer from them. And 
I started interpreting the nightmares as spiritual experiences and the entities in the nightmares as spirits. And I started interpreting them not just as threats, but as a teachers of some kind. Hmm. Um, frightening, challenging teachers, shall we say. Yeah. And the idea was, well, if you don't have any choice anyway, but to be chased after by nightmares, maybe there's something that you can do with them that will turn out to be useful for you. And that produced a lot of poetry and, uh, and some nice strange short stories, shall we say. And for several years, I was putting together the, that poetry and those short stories into the book of Oni. The version that was published is probably the eighth or ninth draft, maybe the 10th or 11th draft. I'm not sure. There's many previous drafts of it. And slowly trying to figure out how to present all this poetry and all this short fiction that I'd created inspired by these dreams in a way where I could show people some of the things that I felt that the dreams had taught me, but not to just say them out directly. And the reason I didn't want to, there's two main reasons I didn't want to say them out directly. One is that I had a conversation with a friend a number of years ago where they were asking me questions about some of my practices. And I just started talking about them openly and they misunderstood or misinterpreted some of the things I was saying. And they, they started saying things that really frightened me. It started making me think that they were taking what I said in a very bad way, in a way that could lead to them harming themselves. And I then thought some of these ideas, it's not that safe to be really direct about. Mm. And maybe it's because maybe the danger here is because I was just saying it. They didn't get these things themselves through spiritual practice. Uh, I just told them. And so maybe there was some validity to the old tradition of not being direct about spiritual things and instead being almost deliberately deceptive, like building layers of confusion on top of it so that you can use it as a way to get to something real, but you have to do the work yourself. It's not going to just be given to you. Hmm. So that's what the book of Onai is. On one level, it's just a book of poetry and fiction. You can just read it as a book of weird poetry and weird fiction. But there, effectively, there are instructions in it for a system of dream magic that is meant to allow people who suffer from nightmares to find a way to turn their nightmares to their spiritual benefit. But you have to read the book very, very closely and really think about what it's saying in order to get that part of it. Hmm. It's interesting. I mean, I, I, I'll say um, I dream quite often. Um, I don't necessarily have nightmares, but I definitely, I would say that most of my dreams are kind of unpleasant. There's just this general, like, I'm usually kind of confused people and things show up that I don't really want around me. There's just a general feeling in my dreams of of anxiety or or something. And and I've always just chalked that up to being my brain the reductionist view of dreaming that we often have, right? That that we tend to see dreams as being just a way to work out our memories of the day. Um but this this idea, though, I just I think this is interesting because so much of spirituality is oriented towards that love and light. 
And, you know, if you do spirituality correctly, you're moving away from the darkness, you're moving away from those bad nightmarish things. That's, that's always how it's presented often. But what you're, but what you seem to be presenting is like, you had no choice except to confront, I mean, if you're being, I would say plagued, but if you're getting these unrelenting nightmares, I mean, what do you do with that? You know, you have to kind of figure out a practice to make sense of that first. And then as you've seemed to have done not only written something about it, but personally, you seem to have been able to use it to your benefit, I guess, or or something like that. I feel that ultimately it has been a benefit to me. Um, I mean, I suffered from, like I said, really terrifying dreams for many years. So that was obviously very difficult because every night when you go to sleep, being asleep can be much, much worse than being awake. Mm-hmm. But um, I did ultimately turn it to my benefit. And where I am now in life is very, very different from where I was when I started this practice. So I do feel that the practice has given me something worthwhile and something significant. I don't think it's for everyone. I don't think it's meant to be for everyone. I think uh, it's for people who have, you know, in terms of people actually who are interested in actually doing the dream magic practice in the book, it's really meant for people that um, have the same dark experiences that I had for so many years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, why? Let me think of how to ask this question. Um, I guess what lessons? Uh, yeah, it's maybe it kind of reduces it a little bit. I feel like the the there is something like I want to use the word lesson to describe what you're saying here. Like there's something in that darkness or in the the terror of those dreams that you've had. It's like, okay, let's, let's figure out a way to say this. So let's say you're having a nightmare and there's, I don't even know how your nightmares would go, but let's say there was a reoccurring, a lot of people when they have nightmares, they're often reoccurring uh, themes or, or entities or beings reappear in those dreams. And um, I mean, in your practice, what do you do? Like, do you, how do you confront that? How do you make something like that? beneficial i guess you could say or something that uh <laughs> beneficial is weird i'm not trying to turn this into some positive yeah, so thing. that's uh that's exactly the sort of thing i don't want to be too clear about because it's right. deliberately obscure in the book mm. um okay. there are sections of the book that deal with different approaches so mm. for example there's a section of the book about dream exorcism and that has to do with techniques for directly combating threatening spiritual entities in a dream but that's only one level There's another level, which is dream alchemy, which is transforming what you see in the dream into something else or transforming yourself into something else. So there are different levels to the practices that are described. And there may be a dream where the only thing you can do, because it's the only thing that occurs to you since you're asleep and not thinking clearly in the first place, is to fight this threatening entity. But that's a very limited practice and it won't ultimately resolve it. If you fight the, if you, if you just fight the negative entities you see in dreams, ultimately that negative entity will keep appearing and appearing that won't actually resolve the issue. Uh, so you have to move beyond that and you have to find a way to see even the most terrifying entity that you see in a dream as potentially having something to offer you, whether it knows it or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I kind of did the thing that your friend did 
when he asked for uh, you know your your specific, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, you're doing the thing, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm doing the thing. But you know, it's it's interesting because I've had I've had a few experiences when I was younger, especially where I was being chased by entities in my dreams that were invisible and they were holding on to me. And the more I fought back, the the harder they held on to me. And and I've I've had a few things since then, but. It seems like in those experiences, it's like you're you're almost too terrified to even think clearly in in those situations. So I imagine that, especially if you're having reoccurring nightmares, which I haven't experienced, but if that's happening over and over again, you probably have plenty of time to develop those practices that you're describing. Well, there is one practice that I can uh, that I can be really direct about and recommend to anybody that has frequent nightmares particularly if they feel that, that what they're seeing in the nightmares is not just a dream, but has some spiritual element to it. Mm-hmm. And that is that if you have a prayer or uh, if you don't want to think of it as a prayer, a magical charm, but just something that you say that has the power to dispel negative spiritual influences. If you say that every single day, two or three times a day while you're awake, you will be able to remember it so perfectly that when you are frightened in a dream, it, you'll be able to remember it and say it in your dream. Mm. And when you do it, will wake you up out of the night. Mm. 